And now, it's Health Naturally with herbalist and natural therapist, Dennis Stewart. Hello, Dennis. Welcome to the show. Lovely to join you this afternoon. Thank you, Sarah. Always good to be with you. Now, look, you often make uh, safe and simple recommendations. Mm. And and a couple of things you speak about often is uh, fish oil and flaxseed oil. Yeah. And look, we had some um, very interesting feedback on this uh, topic. I might just say that over the years, this has been something that uh, listeners have raised with me frequently. And uh, I have something here that we'll share in a moment about confirmation of looking at these oils to address a particular problem. Now, Dennis, you uh, often mention fish oil Mm. and flaxseed Mm. oil and the benefits of those, Mm. and and recently you've been getting feedback on, yes, Mm. they are working. Yes, look, this is an interesting topic that I've spoken about for very many years on radio programs. Uh, With the fish oil and flaxseed, it's been mainly associated with inflammatory diseases, particularly of the joints, Uh, where those oils, and in particular uh, fish oil, has a good reputation, as I've said before, in high dosages. But over the years I've noticed that whenever the topic of dry eyes crops up, uh, one listener, two listeners, maybe even more, over, over a period of time will ring in and pass on to the listeners through my program that they've experienced uh, dry eyes for many years and what they found was that supplementing their diet with flaxseed capsules or fish oil capsules had a remarkable relieving effect on their dry eyes symptoms. Now, I learned from my listeners, I've been doing this program in in various locations for over 30 years and I would like to think uh, my listeners learn something from me but... I will tell all listeners I learned from them. And what I picked up on frequently when dry eyes were mentioned, as I've said, a listener would inevitably ring up and said or say, I take fish oil or flaxseed oil, they have similar characteristics, and my condition is very much relieved. So anecdotal as it may be, because there's not a lot of science to support uh, fish oil or flaxseed oil particularly, in these uh, dry eye set of symptoms, more so in, in, with reference to joint and skin problems. So a lot of the information is anecdotal. But remember, folk medicine, and that's a lovely term, <laughs> folk medicine is essentially anecdotal. It's the experience of the layperson uh, being passed on uh, to fellow citizens about what they found useful in addressing their health problem. Uh, the interest, for instance, in apple cider vinegar uh, arose from a whole folk medicine tradition that was documented by Dr Jarvis when he was a practitioner in Vermont many, many years ago. So I picked up on this and I mentioned it, I think, a few weeks ago when someone rang up about having dry eyes and I said, look, it may be worthwhile trying either fish oil capsules or flaxseed oil capsules, give it a go. They're not expensive. They're, they're, they're very, very um, useful for all sorts of things. Well, what we received during the week was on my website, a gentleman wrote in. He said, good morning, Dennis. You would not recall my name. I had a consultation with you about 25 years ago. That's a long time ago. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> and, and I now try to catch 
your radio program as often as I can. Recently, you had a woman with dry eyes. You recommended fish oil and flaxseed oil capsules in higher dosages. I, too, had dry eyes. Now, notice that. He's written, I, too, had dry eyes and followed your advice. I'm pleased to say that after taking fish oil every morning for about six weeks, the dryness is gone and I no longer need to take drops to ease the dry eyes. Very much appreciated. Thank you, and I'll not mention his name. Now, That's lovely. Well, it was spontaneous. Um, this program has always been spontaneous. It's never, uh, how can I call it, it's never fixed. There's never a set routine, and it's good to get feedback from listeners who hang on to the program, uh, try some of the things that I recommend, simple things, and get back and let us know that it's worked. So there'll be many listeners, I suspect, this morning um, who experience some degree of dry eye symptom. By the way, let me just say, any eye condition needs to be investigated and uh, understood and diagnosed uh, by the medical practitioner. I'm not suggesting that we do anything without an understanding of what's going on. But many of these syndromes, they might well be medically understood uh, and this gentleman obviously has been managing his condition by using just uh, lubricant for his dry eyes. Where the medical procedure comes up against a blank or a brick wall, here's a chap here who, rather than continue to use drops in his eyes, has found that supplementing his diet, his nutrition, with these substances has resolved his problem. And Dennis, would you have any idea mm. how the fish oil uh, changes the eye and the... Well, com- being coming, coming down from the Hunter Valley this morning, I was thinking about that. We, we know that fish oil is used for what we might refer to as inflammatory conditions. Mm. Uh, for instance, one of its major areas of recommendation in our system of medicine is to be used as an ongoing or a chronic supplement uh, to help manage rheumatoid arthritis, which is an inflammatory condition. Um, there are other conditions of an autoimmune um, state for which fish oil is used also. So I was thinking uh, the dryness may well have been associated with an underlying inflammatory condition, an autoimmune condition, where the chemistry of the fish oil is addressing, if you like, uh, a similar scenario to that which might exist around inflamed and arthritic joints. I don't know, but that's... As it does driving make sense, down. doesn't it, it? It makes sense, but look, sometimes, sometimes we can push too hard to find the exact mechanism by which something works, and that's a bit of a downfall for many people as far as traditional naturopathic medicine is concerned because uh, we don't um, always have an acceptable explanation as to why something works, but... We are a tradition that believes in empiricism. And despite the fact that even with something, with with the fish oil, we've got a bit of an idea how it works in some conditions, but despite the fact that we can't relate it explicitly to a dry eye condition, doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to try it when nothing else is working. And if it works, hey, happy days. Oh, well, that has always been my approach, that if something works and it is harmless... And it is uh, inexpensive. Give it a go. 
You're not wrong there. Dennis, very soon we're going to talk about gut health. Now, mm. I know you were chatting with uh, Jane Klein about yeah, this yeah. and you didn't get to finish it, so we I didn't. thought today we would didn't. be a good time. It was time. a very, very good discussion, but unfortunately, like many of our sessions, we ran out of time. So I'd like to take up that topic again, particularly with reference to colon health or bowel health and look at some of the important things that we can do to seek to prevent a bowel disease. Hello, Jenny in Warrabrook. Now, you've got a question for Dennis about your 16-year-old granddaughter. I have. She gets really bad chillblains on her fingers every winter. Gets some on her toes, but the fingers are yeah, quite red, swollen, and mm. um, very painful. And it's only a, uh, a wintertime condition? Yes. Okay. And look, has the condition been uh, investigated and... Um, looked at or treated medically? It has, but nothing seems to have... Um, at the moment, she's just using the hirudoid cream on it. Okay. Um, but she's um, never been given anything to take okay. orally, which okay. I thought okay. might be what's needed. Look, my approach to this would be to uh, try to use some natural remedies that would promote improvement in what we might call peripheral circulation. Yeah. Improve uh, the blood flow to the extremities... And uh-huh. I would look at this case as being, if you like, similar to what's called Raynaud syndrome. Yes, which, that's right. She was investigated yeah, for that. Okay. Yes. Now, look, there are a couple of herbs that are worthwhile trying. I know it's getting into the warm weather now and it might be a little bit inconclusive as to uh, just what benefit they gave. But um, what I would suggest you do is go to your health food store, compounding yes. pharmacist or herbalist, and there's yes. a herb called prickly ash. Prickly ash, okay, now, yeah. Prickly ash is called up in, a, in one of the major references that I constantly refer to, the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia as of 1983, as, uh-huh. as being even useful for addressing Raynaud's, let alone um, this condition that you're talking about. So right. I would get some drops or liquid extract of that. It would not be easy to get as a capsule. On the other, okay. ha- on the other hand... And this might sound terribly simple, but it's worthwhile trying. Um, capsicum, in an, right. in an encapsulated form, uh, frequently works remarkably where you have cold extremities. Now, oh, I, no. I, I, can, no. I can vouch for that. Uh, I said earlier that I've done uh, radio programs like this all, all around the, the country. And years ago, many years ago, uh, uh-huh. I, used, I used to do a program from Sydney that went from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the morning. You'd be surprised, oh, right. you'd be surprised how many Australians are awake. Now, that, that, was a, that was a talkback radio which went all over Australia. And I remember yeah. getting a call from a chap from Tasmania. And it was in wintertime. And he said, look, Mr Stewart, he said, I live in Tasmania. It's cold at the best of times. He said, but in wintertime, it's a nightmare. He said, and I suffered terribly from, from oh. cold conditions of my hands and feet. Have you got anything that might help? And look, it was a bit of a throwaway line because I thought, oh, this is a bit tough. But I said, look, go to your health food store. There's some good health food stores in, 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 um, down in Tassie. I said, go to your health right. food store and get some capsules of capsicum. He said, you mean chilli? I said, well, yes, capsicum. But get it in a capsule form. I said, yeah. that's dose-related. It should be okay to take. Let's give it a try. About two to three months later on the same program, the same chap rang in. 
He said, "Look, I just want to say," he said, "you virtually saved me life." He said, "I've been taking, I've been taking capsicum capsules now." He said, "My feet and fingers have, have never been so warm." He said, "He said it's remarkable." He said, "I said, well, you, you've uh, you've supported what I said." So when I when I say to you, try these sorts of herbs, which are called up in our system of herbalism as circulatory stimulants. I'm not just talking through the top of my head. With, with reference with reference to prickly ash, it's in the literature, and I prescribe it even for raynodes, a divi- difficult condition to treat. But look, whip down to your health food store or pharmacy and get some capsules of cayenne, say one of those after each meal, give it a go. All right. Thank you so much, Jenny, and would love to hear how your granddaughter gets on with those. Dennis Stewart here to answer any of your questions today. We've got Barb in Shortland. Now, Barb, Dennis was chatting about dry eyes, and you've got a question about eyes. Hello. Yes, I do. Um, I had bowel cancer last year, yes. and I had to go on a... And everything was fine. I had surgery, but I had to go on a, on a chemo tablet for six months. Yes, yes. But I think it's affecting my eyes, like dryness. Uh-huh. And um, I had cataracts removed 12 months ago, and yes. the eye doctor said that sometimes it can affect your eyes with chemotherapy okay. tablets. Okay. Now, have you have you um, discussed this medically with yes. the doctor? Well, when I went mm-hmm. to my eye doctor when, when I for a checkup, he I mentioned because he knew that I had taken the was taking the chemotherapy yes. tablet, yes. and he said sometimes it does with your immune system. It does okay. affect your eyes and okay. the dryness and. Okay. Yeah, but well, I was look, just worrying about the fish yeah. oil. Well, look, in my in my opinion... Barb, uh, sorry, have you got your radio on? No. Okay, we've just got a, a bit of feedback. A lot of, lot of oh. feedback, but never mind. Oh, okay. Can you no, hear me all right? Yeah, I'm fine, okay, yes. Okay, look, I can see no reason why a trial on fish oil or flaxseed oil uh, wouldn't be worthwhile. Uh, these things uh, are non, non-toxic. They have no significant ability to interact with other substances. So I would uh, r- run it past your, your doctor first. You, you've heard me always on, these, on this program recommend that uh, anything you do of a medical nature, you should run it past your GP or your pharmacist to get a nod. But all I can say is that if I was in your situation, I'd go for it like it was going out of fashion. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I get very tired, but I always think it's... I've been off the chemo tablet since May, so I just yes, thought it might yeah. take a while for it to come out of my system. Well, look, that, that, may, well. that may well be the situation, but uh, again, I come back to the point that, that um, I can't see any reason why uh, this might not be of benefit to you, but I'll throw in something additional to what I have said, uh, which might be useful for you to consider also, in, in, in our system of medical herbalism, which is very much based on European, English and American herbs, there is a herb called Eyebright. Now, Eyebright is, how can you call it? It's the remedy that's used for a multitude of sins, uh, functional conditions of the eyes particularly. It might be useful to uh, run past your GP or your pharmacist a trial on Eyebright to see if it also addresses any underlying inflammation that might be precipitating some of the dryness. So those two things, but certainly the fish oil, and perhaps also consider the remarkable European herb known as, uh, as Euphrasia or Eyebright. We're going to go now to Bruce in Rutherford. Uh, good afternoon, Bruce. You also have a question for Dr Dennis Stewart. Yes, good afternoon, both of you. 
My, my wife's coming out of a colonoscopy operation. Just I'm waiting to pick her up. Yes. What, and that cleans your whole system through. What would be the best diet or supplement to get, to help get her gut bacteria back as healthy and as quickly as possible? Well, look, f- fortunately, uh, colonoscopy is a fairly straightforward procedure these days, which doesn't need a great deal of recovery. Um, I, I know this because my wife has regular colonoscopies and I usually uh, go with her and after the procedure she's usually sitting there having a cup of tea waiting for me and waiting for the uh, the doctor to come and give her a preliminary report on how things have gone and after that uh, we just go home. We, we usually have a light meal, nothing very heavy after the procedure but within a day or two just on a, a normal healthy diet my wife has bounced back pretty well. What I'd be suggesting is that um, you consider a light diet with with plenty of what we call soluble fibre. Something like slippery elm would be remarkably effective, particularly if there have been any sort of polyps removed that might leave a little bit of irritation, although my wife has had them removed with not not a lot of irritation. But some slippery elm, some some yoghurt, um, uh, light meals, a lot of mashed potatoes, some rice, and um, then also go on to something like um, some acidophilus, uh, something that would put some uh, healthy bacteria back into the gut, even some yakult from the supermarket, a bit of yogurt, recolonize the bowel with those sorts of things. But outside of that, I, I don't think you should see the thing as being entirely a debilitating thing. That that's a bit of advice that I would give. Within a couple of days, uh, unless there, there was something significantly located, in a couple of days, as is the experience with my wife, your dear wife will be bouncing like you won't believe. Thank you for that. No, I thought it would clean out all the bacteria. That was all and might have to be replaced. Thanks for the advice, Dennis. Oh, well, it's only simple advice, but look, I know this can be a little bit uh, trying and puzzling and worrying for people, but last the last time I spoke about gut health, I encouraged people to take seriously uh, having regular uh, investigations to do stool tests regularly to uh, accept the government's offer when um, they send to you a, a kit to go and do the preliminary work so that if there is anything located in the bowel, you can follow it up with your doctor. Um, fortunately, with colonoscopies, the medical procedure, with bowel testing kits, um, the the management, in my opinion, for um, screening and and treating and preventing bowel cancer, is is miles in front. Good, thank you for that. Okay, Bruce, thanks for your call. We're going to go to Peter now in Cameron Park. Peter, a question or a comment about black salt? I was just wondering uh, Dennis's opinion on black salt. I heard that. It has phos- uh, phosphorus, I mean sulphur, and um, it's beneficial. Just wondering his opinion. Okay. My understanding of black salve is that it, es- it is essentially based on a herb botanically known as sanguinaria and, right. and popularly known as bloodroot. Now, that's, right. that is my understanding of uh, the basis of black salve. I stand contradiction, but... Right. Um, this, the preparation that I understand based on um, this particular herb is, in a, in a sense, something that has a very caustic effect on, on skin lesions in particular yeah. and, and has been used by some people 
um, to try to address certain forms of cancer. Yeah. Now, that worries me incredibly because I have seen uh, situations where um, treatment with this herb in a topical preparation has led to really serious consequences. And I would say to people out there that uh, are looking at a preparation like this, if it is the one that I'm thinking of, uh, based on blood root, uh, it is the herb that uh, is responsible for any action that it does, and it is a herb that at the best of times needs to be used very, very cautiously and very professionally. I say it again, um, if this is being used to address any form of cancer, you must not do so. We have top, let me emphasise, we have top uh, medicos, surgeons, skin specialists in this town, and I myself, and I have no problem in telling listeners this, I myself have regular, regular skin cancers cut from my scalp as a result of sitting on my tractor for too long without a hat. And I've actually had, uh, uh, actually had a, a cancer taken from my cheek and they were done by excellent uh, practitioners in this town. If people are contemplating using a preparation like this to address any form of skin lesion... I would discourage it. Uh, I was just wondering, though, um, it is just salt, and um, it's supposed to have uh, sulfur in it, which is supposedly beneficial just uh, you know, basically for sprinkling your food, really, like it's salt for your food, really. Not, okay. Well, you you speak, can't use it for your skin. Were you, were you talking about black salve or black salt? Black salt. Okay. Salt. Okay. Yeah. I misunderstood you. There's a preparation uh, called black salve. Which, oh, which right, is okay. based on that. Look, if it's black salt, oh. I come back to the point that salt is salt, and um, sodium chloride. Well, if it's got other things in it, yeah. uh, it might not be just salt. It might be a compound that contains salt, yeah. and, and I'm not aware of it. If you're going to use salt, um, use just straightforward salt. That would be my advice. Yeah, well, apparently um, black salt has been used in Ayurvedic medicine, and, it, and that's where, where I thought you... We were talking on the same subject matter because <laughs> black salt is supposedly good for your skin as well. Well, look, salt, I, uh, I can vouch for the benefits of salt per se for sub-skin conditions. I used an Epsom salt bath as a very young man uh, working in Sydney, starving myself to death, trying to study and, 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 and live on my own. I contracted very bad eczema and frequently I would use Epsom salts in the bath to alleviate the incredible itch that was associated with that condition. I've got no problem with using salt, any form of salt, as a mild uh, agent to address some skin conditions. I'm sorry I interpreted your pronunciation as referring to a preparation called black salve, which in any case uh, was worthwhile mentioning <laughs> because it's not a product that I recommend. OK, let's go to... Is it Alan in the Hunter Valley now? Yeah, that's me. Hello, Alan. G'day, Alan. Are uh, you talking cataracts? Yeah, mate. Dennis, you know my money. Uh, your voice sounds very familiar. Yeah, I used to go down to Warner's Bay with Jono's Pain Away and all oh, that. Oh, yes, I do remember you. Dear old Jono, I, yeah. st I still have um, his uh, photograph in my rooms at New Lambton. He and I were great companions and had a little bit to do in developing some of those products with Jono. And, uh, yeah, mate. I miss him. He was a good man. Uh, has he passed? Uh, yes. John O. Oh, died. Oh, shit, I'm sorry about okay, that. The, that yeah. now, okay, now let's uh, get on to, um, yeah, cataracts. cataracts. Yeah. 
Um, I've heard some feedback. Oh. I had one done on my left eye, but it yeah. didn't work. Okay. Now, I hear the, the best thing for it now is uh, coconut water. Can you help me there? I have never heard of coconut water being used in that way. I, would, I would be surprised. Be yeah. su- I would be very surprised if it had a benefit of any significance. Okay. If, if you were going to use it, again, yeah. again, um, do so only with the nod from your from your medical practitioner because cataracts are cataracts yeah. and, and, in my opinion, are best managed medically. Hello, Jenny in Singleton. You want to talk about dry eyes? Yes, thank you. Hello, Jenny. Oh, hello, Dennis. How are you? Good. Good, good. That's good. Dennis, look, I was just heard you talk about um, the fish oil. Yes. And I was wondering if there's any particular strength that you would recommend. Okay. Look, most fish oil capsules, when I say most, most of the ones that I know of, come in 1,000 milligram capsule size. That is, 1,000 milligrams of the, uh, the oil is in one capsule. Right. Now... now in the literature on fish oil, particularly with reference to um, serious inflammatory conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis, the dose, dose range recommended is three to nine grams, which would be three capsules to nine capsules per day. That is for that condition for which fish oil is most frequently used. Interestingly, though, the chap that I was referring to um, this morning that uh, took the trouble to... Uh, to, uh, to uh, get on my um, website and to give us his report, he was only taking a very much smaller dose. In fact, I'm looking at it here, uh, 800 milligrams, that's about one capsule every day he was taking and was taking it for some time to achieve the remarkable effect that he achieved. So what am I saying? I'm saying, in my opinion, based on the feedback that he's given us, it would seem that you, you don't need to take the higher dosage that might be used to address, say, something like rheumatoid arthritis, you may well get by, based on this gentleman's experience, by using one capsule a day containing 1,000 milligram of fish oil. Right. That's what I'd recommend you start with and try. Right. Okay, Dennis, thank okay. you very much. Let us, let us know how you go because this is a, a very common condition, as you probably know. And, um, you know, it's worthwhile giving a go because I say what I said earlier. Over the many years that I've done radio, this problem, this thing keeps coming to the fore and over and over again I'll guarantee that I'll get some listener ringing in saying I had this condition and I use a fish oil or a flaxseed capsule and it helps. Yeah, I've um, I've had my cataracts done one yes. in February and one in yes. January, yes. and I found that my eye was very um, sort of pulley. Yes. And the um, optometrist recommended some eye drops. Yes. But I'm thinking I'll give the fish oil a go. Well, well, remember fish oil. Remember fish oil is an oral supplement, and it would not in any way at all clash with the good recommendation of your optometrist. Why not use the two preparations, the Bad eye drops? Yeah, look. Treat it topically with the eye drop, as your optometrist has rightly recommended, and uh, try the fish oil supplement to do it from a nutritional perspective. Fine. Thanks okay, so Dennis. much, Jenny. Okay. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. Okay, let's go to Wayne now in Ellamore Vale. Uh, welcome to the show, Wayne. Thank you. You want to talk about petty spur? Uh, I've got skin cancers on my arm, and someone said petty spur is an old wives' 
Ah, Patty. yes, okay. Patty Spurge. Um, yes, look, that's um, that's was some. It's sometimes referred to as as a milk uh, thistle. Yeah. Um, and if you, it has normally it has a little yellow flower on it, and when you break the uh, the stem of the fresh plant, it will exude. It will exude a yellow latex. Now that yellow latex is very caustic. That means it will tend to erode and and, and gnaw away at something. Um, look, I'm a little bit um, little bit cautious about uh, telling people to use things like this because very frequently um, a mild innocuous or seemingly a mild innocuous skin condition uh, can be misinterpreted by the lay person and can in fact be a more serious cancer. Um, these days, those things are so well managed medically. I couldn't really see the the, the virtue, and would not recommend that you try petty spurge. Um, yeah, look, it's it's a bit iffy. See your GP. Yeah. See your GP, mate. Get it done properly, and yeah. um, and, and uh, I think you'll be in safer ground. Right, yeah. Thanks a lot, Dennis. Okay, mate. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. Yes, we're talking health naturally. Now, Dennis, we have a few minutes left and I just wanted to ask you, mm. because you frequently uh, talk about turmeric and curcumin, mm. what's the difference? Because they're, they're fairly similar. Look, um, it's, very easily, it's very easy to explain the difference. Let me just say, uh, before I take up that topic, today we're not going to be able to look at uh, the significance of turmeric with reference to the bowel we'll take that up again hopefully next week <laughs> because it is such an important contribution to bowel health but let me just say to listeners turmeric is the herb or the spice grows very very easily can grow in your backyard uh, turmeric is the basis of curry it is what gives curry its flavor and its yellow uh, beautiful color indeed now Turmeric is the herb, but turmeric contains a chemical constituent in it which is known as curcumin. That chemical constituent, when it is isolated from turmeric, is considered to have useful, mild anti-inflammatory characteristics which makes it a useful, safe uh, alternative medicine to address some levels of arthritic conditions. So curcumin is the active, one active. Turmeric is the herb. If you're going to use the herb to address inflammatory conditions, you'd have to use a lot of it in order to get the level of curcumin required. So what they do, they extract curcumin from turmeric, isolate it and uh, turn it into a concentrated preparation which is then taken orally as a medicine. So turmeric, wonderful as a food, as a great preventative agent for many bowel conditions but contains a useful anti-inflammatory agent which, when isolated, can be useful to address some inflammatory conditions. It's a good way to explain mm. it, Dennis. Mm. Mm. And just before we go as well, uh, we were talking off-air that um, herbal medicine as traditionally practised in mm. Australia mm. is mm. certainly changing and, and becoming more eclectic. Would it you is. say that's a fair oh, comment? Look, I think it's a, a very fair comment. I reflect on my 40 years... Believe it or not, goodness <laughs> Don't believe it. Don't believe it. Forty for a years when we started, we practiced a very straightforward Anglo-American system. We may as well been living in the UK. The sort of herbs we were taught to use, and I still use all of them. But what's happened over that forty years 
is that we have become much more multicultural. Many traditions and cultures have brought their herbs into Australia and having had the great fortune to mix amongst a lot of Indian people who use Ayurvedic medicine, I picked up a lot of Ayurvedic remedies and herbal medicine in Australia is eclectic. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.